0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Napoleon of Notting Hill by G. K. Chesterton Section 10. Book 4. Chapter 1. The Battle of the Lamps. Mr. Buck, who, though retired, frequently went down to his big drapery stores in Kensington High Street, was locking up those premises, being the last to leave. It was a wonderful evening of green and gold, but that did not trouble him very much. If you had pointed it out he would have agreed seriously, for the rich always desire to be artistic. He stepped out in the cool air, buttoning up his light yellow coat, and blowing great clouds from his cigar when a figure dashed up to him in another yellow overcoat, but unbuttoned, and flying behind him. "'Hello, Barker,' said the draper. "'Any of our summer articles? You're too late—' "'Factory axe, Barker. Humanity in progress, my boy.' "'Oh, don't chatter!" cried Barker, stamping. "'We've been beaten.' "'Beaten by what?' asked Buck, mystified. "'By Wayne.' Buck looked at Barker's fierce white face for the first time as it gleamed in the lamplight come and have a drink he said they adjourned to a cushioned and glaring buffet and buck established himself slowly and lazily in a seat and pulled out his cigar case have a smoke he said barker was still standing and on the fret but after a moment's hesitation he sat down as if he might spring up again the next minute they ordered drinks in silence how did it happen asked buck "'turning his big, bold eyes on him. "'How the devil do I know?' cried Barker. "'It happened like like a dream. "'How can two hundred men beat six hundred? "'How can they?' "'Well,' said Buck coolly. "'How did they? "'You ought to know.' "'I don't know. "'I can't describe,' said the other, "'drumming on the tables. "'It seemed like this. "'We were six hundred "'and marched with those damned pole-axes of Auberon's, "'The only weapons we've got. We marched two abreast. We went up Holland Walk between the high palings which seemed to me to go straight as an arrow for Pump Street. I was near the tail of the line, and it was a long one. When the end of it was still between the high palings, the head of the line was already crossing Holland Park Avenue. Then the head plunged into the network of narrow streets on the other side, and the tail and myself came out on the great crossing. When we also had reached the northern side and turned up a small street that points crookedly as it were towards Pump Street, the whole thing felt different. The streets dodged and bent so much that the head of our line seemed lost altogether. It might as well have been in North America, and all this time we hadn't seen a soul. Buck, who was idly dabbing the ash of his cigar on the ashtray, began to move it deliberately over the table, making feathery gray lines a kind of map. But though the little streets were all deserted, which got a trifle on my nerves, as we got deeper and deeper into them a thing began to happen that I couldn't understand. Sometimes a long way ahead, three turns or corners ahead as it were, there broke suddenly a sort of noise, clattering and confusing cries, and then stopped. Then, when it happened, something I can't describe it, A kind of shake or stagger went down the line, as if the line were a live thing whose head had been struck or had been an electric cord. None of us knew why we were moving, but we moved and jostled, then we recovered, and we went on through the little dirty streets, round corners, and up twisted ways. The little crooked streets began to give me a feeling I can't explain, as if it were a dream. I felt as if things had lost their reason, and we should never get out of the maze odd to hear me talk like that isn't it the streets were quite well-known streets all down the map but the fact remains I wasn't afraid of something happening I was afraid of nothing ever happening nothing ever happening for all God's eternity he drained his glass and called for more whiskey he drank it and went on and then something did happen buck it's the solemn truth that nothing has ever happened to you in your life nothing has ever happened to me in my life nothing ever happened said buck staring what do you mean nothing has ever happened repeated barker with a morbid obstinacy you don't know what a thing happening means you sit in your office expecting customers and customers come you walk in the streets expecting friends and friends meet you you want to drink you get it you feel inclined for a bet you make it you expect either to win or lose, and you do either one or the other. But things happening? And he shuddered ungovernably. Go on, said Buck shortly. Get on. As we walked wearily round the corners, something happened. When something happens, it happens first, and you see it afterwards. It happens of itself, and you've nothing to do with it. It proves a dreadful thing that there are other things besides oneself. I can only put it this way. We went round one turning, two turnings, three turnings, four turnings, five. Then I lifted myself slowly up from the gutter where I had been shot half senseless and was beaten down again by living men crashing on top of me. And the world was full of roaring and big men rolling about like nine pins. Buck looked at his map with knitted brows. Was that Portobello Road? he asked. "'Yes,' said Barker, "'yes, Portobello Road. "'I saw it afterwards, but, my God, what a place it was, Buck. "'Have you ever stood and let a six-foot man lash and lash at your head "'with six feet of pole with six pounds of steel at the end? "'Because when you have had that experience,' as Walt Whitman says, "'you re examine philosophies and religions.' "'I have no doubt,' said Buck. "'If that was Portobello Road, don't you see what happened?' "'I know what happened exceedingly well.' I was knocked down four times, an experience which, as I say, has an effect on the mental attitude. And another thing happened, too. I knocked down two men. After the fourth fall, there was not much bloodshed, more brutal rushing and throwing, for nobody could use their weapons. After the fourth fall, I say, I got up like a devil, and I tore a pole-axe out of a man's hand and struck where I saw the scarlet of Wayne's fellows, struck again and again, Two of them went over, bleeding on the stones, thank God, and I laughed and found myself sprawling in the gutter again, and got up again and struck again, and broke my halberd to pieces. I heard a man's head, though. Buck set down his glass with a bang and spat out curses through his thick mustache. What is the matter? asked Barker, stopping, for the man had been calm up to now, and now his agitation was far more violent than his own. The matter? said Buck bitterly. Don't you see how these maniacs have got us? Why should two idiots, one a clown and the other a screaming lunatic, make a sane men so different from themselves? Look here, Barker, I'll give you a picture. A very well-bred young man of this century is dancing about in a frock coat. He has in his hands a nonsensical seventeenth-century halberd with which he is trying to kill men in a street in Notting Hill. Damn it, don't you see how they've got us? "'Never mind how you felt. That is how you looked. The king would put his cursed head on one side and call it exquisite. The provost of Notting Hill would put his cursed nose in the air and call it heroic. But in heaven's name, what would you have called it two days before?' Parker bit his lip. "'You haven't been through it, Buck,' he said. "'You don't understand fighting, the atmosphere.' i don't deny the atmosphere said buck striking the table i only say it's their atmosphere it's adam wayne's atmosphere it's the atmosphere which you and i thought had vanished from an educated world forever well it hasn't said barker and if you have any lingering doubts lend me a poleax and i'll show you there was a long silence and then buck turned to his neighbor and spoke in that good-tempered tone that comes of a power of looking facts in the face, the tone in which he concluded great bargains. Barker, he said, you are right. This old thing, this fighting, has come back. It has come back suddenly and taken us by surprise. So it is first blood to Adam Wayne, but unless reason and arithmetic and everything else have gone crazy, it must be next and last blood to us. But when an issue has really arisen, there is only one thing to do, to study that issue as such, and win in it. Barker, since it is fighting, we must understand fighting. I must understand fighting as coolly and completely as I understand drapery. You must understand fighting as coolly and completely as you understand politics. Now look at the facts. I stick without hesitation to my original formula. Fighting when we have the stronger force is only a matter of arithmetic. It must be. You asked me just now how two hundred men could defeat six hundred. I can tell you two hundred men can defeat six hundred when the six hundred behave like fools, when they forget the very conditions they are fighting in, when they fight in a swamp as if it were a mountain, when they fight in a forest as if it were a plain, when they fight in streets without remembering the object of streets what is the object of streets asked Barker. what is the object of supper cried buck furiously isn't it obvious this military science is mere common sense the object of a street is to lead from one place to another therefore all streets join therefore street fighting is quite a peculiar thing you advanced into that hive of streets as if you were advancing into an open plain where you could see everything Instead of that you were advancing into the bowels of a fortress, with streets pointing at you, streets turning on you, streets jumping out at you, and all in the hands of an enemy. Do you know what Portobello Road is? It is the only point on your journey where two side streets run up opposite each other. Wayne massed his men on the two sides, and when he had let enough of your line go past, cut it in two like a worm don't you see what would have saved you barker shook his head can't your atmosphere help you asked buck bitterly must i attempt explanations in the romantic manner suppose that as you were fighting blindly with the red nodding hillers who imprisoned you on both sides you had heard a shout from behind them suppose oh romantic barker that behind the red tunics you had seen the blue and gold of south kensington taking them in the rear surrounding them in their turn and hurling them on your whole brids. "'If the thing had been possible,' began Barker, cursing. "'The thing would have been possible,' said Buck simply. "'As simple as arithmetic. There are a certain number of street-entries that lead to Pump Street. There are not nine hundred, there are not nine million. They do not grow in the night, and they do not increase like mushrooms. It must be possible, with such an overwhelming force as we have, To advance by all of them at once, in every one of the arteries or approaches, we can put almost as many men as Wayne can put into the field altogether. Once you do that, and we have him to demonstration, it is like a proposition of Euclid." "'You think that is certain?' asked Barker anxiously, but dominated delightfully. "'I'll tell you what I think,' said Buck, getting up jovially. I THINK ADAM WAYNE MADE AN UNCOMMONLY SPIRITED LITTLE FIGHT, AND I THINK I AM CONFOUNDEDLY SORRY FOR HIM. BUCK, YOU ARE A GREAT MAN, CRIED BARKER, RISING ALSO. YOU'VE KNOCKED ME SENSIBLE AGAIN. I'M ASHAMED TO SAY IT, BUT I WAS GETTING ROMANTIC. OF COURSE WHAT YOU SAY IS ADAMANTINE SENSE. FIGHTING, BEING PHYSICAL, MUST BE MATHEMATICAL. WE WERE BEATEN BECAUSE WE WERE NEITHER MATHEMATICAL, NOR PHYSICAL, NOR ANYTHING ELSE because we deserve to be beaten. Hold all the approaches, and with our force we must have him. When shall we open the next campaign?" Now, said Buck, and walked out of the bar. Now? cried Barker, following him eagerly. Do you mean now? It is so late. Buck turned on him, stamping. Do you think fighting is under the factory axe, he said, and he called a cab. Notting Hill Gate Station, he said and the two drove off. A genuine reputation can sometimes be made in an hour. Buck, in the next sixty or eighty minutes, showed himself a really great man of action. His cab carried him like a thunderbolt from the King to Wilson, from Wilson to Swindon, from Swindon to Barker again. If his course was jagged, it had the jaggedness of lightning. Only two things he carried with him his inevitable cigar and the map of north kensington and notting hill there were as he again and again pointed out with every variety of persuasion and violence only nine possible ways of approaching pump street within a quarter of a mile round it three out of westbourne grove two out of ladbrook grove and four out of notting hill high street and he had detachments of two hundred each stationed at every one of the entrances BEFORE THE LAST GREEN OF THAT STRANGE SUNSET HAD SUNK OUT OF THE BLACK SKY. THE SKY WAS PARTICULARLY BLACK, AND ON THIS ALONE WAS ONE FALSE PROTEST RAISED AGAINST THE TRIUMPHANT OPTIMISM OF THE provost OF NORTH KENSINGTON. HE OVERRULED IT WITH HIS INFECTIOUS COMMON SENSE. THERE IS NO SUCH THING, HE SAID, AS NIGHT IN LONDON. YOU HAVE ONLY TO FOLLOW THE LINE OF STREET-LAMPS. LOOK, HERE IS THE MAP. TWO HUNDRED PURPLE NORTH KENSINGTON SOLDIERS UNDER MYSELF MARCH UP OSSINGTON STREET. TWO HUNDRED MORE UNDER CAPTAIN BRUCE OF THE NORTH KENSINGTON GUARD UP CLANICARD GARDENS. TWO HUNDRED YELLOW WEST KENSINGTONS UNDER Provost SWINDEN ATTACK FROM PEMBRIDGE ROAD. TWO HUNDRED MORE OF MY MEN FROM THE EASTERN STREETS LEADING AWAY FROM QUEENS ROAD two detachments of yellows enter by two roads from westbourne grove lastly two hundred green bayswaters come down from the north through cheapstow place and two hundred more under provo wilson himself through the upper part of pembridge road gentlemen it is mate in two moves the enemy must either mass in pump street and be cut to pieces or they must retreat past the gaslight and coke company and rush on my four hundred or they must retreat past St. Luke's Church and rush on the six hundred from the west. Unless we are all mad, it's plain. Come to your quarters and await Captain Brace's signal to advance. Then you have only to walk up a line of gas lamps and smash this nonsense by pure mathematics. Tomorrow we shall all be civilians again. Footnote 1 Clannicard Gardens at this time was no longer a cul-de-sac but was connected by Pump Street to Pembridge Square. See map. His optimism glowed like a great fire in the night and ran round the terrible ring in which Wayne was now held helpless. The fight was already over. One man's energy for one hour had saved the city from war. For the next ten minutes Buck walked up and down silently beside the motionless clump of his two hundred. He had not changed his appearance in any way except to sling across his yellow overcoat a case with a revolver in it, so that his light-clad modern figure showed up oddly beside the pompous purple uniforms of his halberdiers, which darkly but richly colored the black night. At length a shrill trumpet ran from some way up the street. It was the signal of advance buck briefly gave the word and the whole purple line with its dimly shining steel moved up the side alley before it was a slope of street long straight and shining in the dark it was a sword pointed at pump street the heart at which nine other swords were pointed that night a quarter of an hour's silent marching brought them almost within earshot of any tumult in the doomed citadel but still there was no sound and no sign of the enemy this time at any rate they knew that they were closing in on it mechanically and they marched on under the lamplight and the dark without any of that eerie sense of ignorance which barker had felt when entering the hostile country by one avenue alone halt point arms cried buck suddenly and as he spoke there came a clatter of feet rumbling along the stones but the halberds were levelled in vain the figure that rushed up was a messenger from the contingent of the north victory mr buck he cried panting they are ousted Provo wilson of bayswater has taken pump street buck ran forward in his excitement then which way are they retreating it must be either by st luke's to meet swindon or by the gas company to meet us run like mad to swindon and see that the yellows are holding st luke's road we will hold this never fear we have them in an iron trap run as the messenger dashed away into the darkness the great guard of north kensington swung on with the certainty of a machine yet scarcely a hundred yards further their halberd points again fell in line gleaming in the gaslight for again a clatter of feet was heard on the stones and again it proved only the messenger Mr. Provo, he said, the yellow West Kensington's have been holding the road by St. Luke's for twenty minutes since the capture of Pump Street. Pump Street is not two hundred yards away. They cannot be retreating down that road. Then they are retreating down this, said Provo Buck with a final cheerfulness, and by good fortune down a well-lighted road, though it twists about, forward. As they moved along the last three hundred yards of their journey, buck fell for the first time in his life perhaps into a kind of philosophical reverie for men of his type are always made kindly and as it were melancholy by success i am sorry for poor old wayne i really am he thought he spoke up splendidly for me at that council and he blackened old barker's eye with considerable spirit but i don't see what a man can expect when he fights against arithmetic to say nothing of civilization And what a wonderful hoax all this military genius is. I suspect I've just discovered what Cromwell discovered. That a sensible tradesman is the best general, and that a man who can buy men and sell men can lead and kill them. The thing's simply like adding up a column in a ledger. If Wayne has two hundred men, he can't put two hundred men in nine places at once. If they're ousted from Pump Street, they're flying somewhere and if they're not flying past the church they're flying past the works and so we have them we businessmen should have no chance at all except that cleverer people than we get bees in their bonnets that prevent them from reasoning properly so we reason alone and so i who am comparatively stupid see things as god sees them as a vast machine my god what's this and he clapped his hands to his eyes and staggered back Then, through the darkness, he cried in a dreadful voice, Did I blaspheme God? I am struck blind. What? wailed another voice behind him, the voice of a certain Wilford Jarvis of North Kensington. Blind, cried Buck, blind. I'm blind, too, cried Jarvis in an agony. Fools, all of you, said a gross voice behind them. We're all blind. The lamps have gone out. The lamps? But why? Where? cried Buck, turning furiously in the darkness. How are we to get on? how are we to chase the enemy where have they gone the enemy went said the rough voice behind and then stopped doubtfully where shouted buck stamping like a madman they went said the gruff voice past the gasworks, and they've used their chance great god thundered buck and snatched at his revolver do you mean they've turned out but almost before he had spoken the words he was hurled like a stone from a catapult into the midst of his own men notting hill notting hill cried frightful voices out of the darkness and they seemed to come from all sides for the men of north kensington unacquainted with the road had lost all their bearings in the black world of blindness notting hill notting hill cried the invisible people and the invaders were hewn down horribly with black steel with steel that gave no glint against any light buck though badly maimed with the blow of a halberd kept an angry but splendid sanity he groped madly for the wall and found it struggling with crawling fingers along it he found a side opening and retreated into it with the remnants of his men their adventures during that prodigious night are not to be described they did not know whether they were going towards or away from the enemy not knowing where they themselves were or where their opponents were IT WAS MERE IRONY TO ASK WHERE WAS THE REST OF THEIR ARMY. FOR A THING HAD DESCENDED UPON THEM WHICH LONDON DOES NOT KNOW. DARKNESS, WHICH WAS BEFORE THE STARS WERE MADE, AND THEY WERE AS MUCH LOST IN IT AS IF THEY HAD BEEN MADE BEFORE THE STARS. EVERY NOW AND THEN, AS THOSE FRIGHTFUL HOURS WORE ON, THEY BUFFETED IN THE DARKNESS AGAINST LIVING MEN WHO STRUCK AT THEM, AND AT WHOM THEY STRUCK WITH AN idiot FURY. When at last the great dawn came, they found they had wandered back to the edge of the Uxbridge Road. They found that in those horrible eyeless encounters, the North Kensingtons and the Bayswaters and the West Kensingtons had again and again met and butchered each other, and they heard that Adam Wayne was barricaded in Pump Street of Book four Chapter one